Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie.ag. Winning season continues at MyBookie, and now they're offering a free $20 bet with the promo code SGP20. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP20, to get a free $20 bet with your first deposit. We're also brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app built specifically for player props. Download the app in the App Store and use the promo code SGP for instant deposit matches up to 50 bucks. That's thrivefantasy.com, promo code SGP. Sign up and prop up today. And we're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Well, welcome in everybody in these crazy times right now with COVID-19, the pandemic, and trying to get sports played completed and obviously as it pertains to the two biggest ones college and pro football we are all about it here as part of the only digital radio show that devotes itself mostly if not exclusively when it comes to predictions to underdogs against the spread the little guy the guy not being given as much of a chance uh, not being believed in that's what we do here on the program all right So a few things to cover here at the top of the show. First of all, if you have not subscribed already, why not? Whether you found us through a social media link, through our friends at sportsgamblingpodcast.com and their network of shows, uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and it comes automatically to you through Three Dog Thursday. So again, hit the subscribe button, rate us and review us, and uh, more people will be able to find us. Numerous ones of you have been doing that. Continue doing that. Give us a five-star rating and review. More will see us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. So subscribe to the show to find us. Coming up, YouTube Roundtable. Uh, we'll have a couple of special guests. Find us on YouTube via Three Dog Thursday. Just search Three Dog Thursday. The channel comes right up. You'll see the YouTube show with the video of what you're actually hearing on the podcast of that segment. So again, it's a simulcast. You're hearing us on the podcast, but see us as well for the roundtable on the YouTube page of Three Dog Thursday. So with all of that out of the way, let me tell you who we've got coming up. Uh, he is a staple. He is our senior handicapper from BrianEdwardsSports.com, also MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider. Brian Edwards is back. And and look, I will say this with him as well. We need to be better with the underdog predictions. We did not get as many as we would have liked last week, although thank you for the Cleveland Browns uh, for me. Uh, it, it, Edwards has got to stop with the love affair of Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, by the way. We'll talk more with him about that in our NFL segment a little bit later on. But Brian's ready to talk some college football Uh, here uh, coming up. All right, so let me say this at the outset. This is 
obviously fluid. There's obviously breaking news. I do this show. I record this show with the different guests in pieces and in parts on Wednesday. Again, I pull the curtain back from time to time and tell you about this. So throughout Wednesday, we've been putting the show together for Three Dog Thursday so that it can debut Uh, on Thursday morning, middle of the night, actually Thursday and Thursday morning. Again, if you get the automatic notification, you can listen to it whenever uh, in the middle of the night or early morning uh, on Thursdays through Three Dog Thursday subscribers on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, etc. So I have been putting the show together, doing the different interviews with Brian and with our roundtable guests that I'll talk about in a second. But understand that when I was doing the interviews with them, At the time that we were talking, we did not know of the Florida LSU game being postponed. I now know that that game is postponed. They're not going to be playing it this weekend. We don't talk a lot about it throughout the show, but now just know that I know that, you know that as the audience. And again, if you're listening later on in the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, etc., you obviously know what the latest is with rescheduling that, etc., as the Gators have some 29 players that are unable to practice, either positive with coronavirus or at least in contact with those that have COVID-19. And so they had to isolate anyway to make sure that they don't have it. So Florida's not able to practice. Huge game for them with LSU. Uh, the, the Bayou Bengals really struggling. So in, in any event, they're not playing. You may hear uh, a reference to that. In fact, you will when Brian and I talk about that. But I'm just letting you know on the front end, that game is now canceled. The bigger news on Wednesday early evening is that Nick Saban, the Alabama head coach, the multi-time national champion head coach at Alabama and also LSU, has tested positive for coronavirus and immediately had to go into self-quarantine Wednesday afternoon and Wednesday night, no longer around his team. Now, what does this mean for the Alabama humongous, huge enormous, ginormous showdown with Georgia. That's number two Alabama, number three Georgia slated to play Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. Again, as we're putting the show together on Wednesday night, this is the best I can do for you, the game is still on. Alabama held practice Wednesday with offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian running the practice, and he will be the interim coach, provided that there's no big outbreak of players infected, coaches infected, and there's obviously protocols in place and guidelines in place trying to limit that, but it may just be, you know, it may be isolated, It may be like the Florida situation where they're not able to play if they have an outbreak on Thursday tests, Friday tests, etc. So it's a fluid deal. We will wait to see if they can play the game. Again, I have a vested interest in being there to be with Tiki Barber on national radio coverage. You'll hear me talking about this with Brian and also with our roundtable guests, Ryan Fowler and Marquise Johns. Tiki Barber and I to be there for Compass Media Network's Saturday night radio call of the game. Uh, That's provided that they play in this one. And so we will take it almost uh, day by day here. Let's see what Thursday brings. Let's see what Friday brings. And hopefully Alabama was able to contain things. As a point of reference, when Florida State coach Mike Norvell tested positive for COVID-19, his team did not suffer an outbreak. Well, I guess much to their chagrin, they still had to go ahead and play the Miami Hurricanes and got crushed back a couple of weeks ago. So that's just a reference point that just because the coach and these teams have been practicing social distancing, wearing the mask, the guidelines during practice around each other, meeting room, film room, uh, practice field, that kind of stuff, hopefully it's contained for Alabama's sake. And we'll wait and see what happens for the game with Georgia. Again, a monstrous one of the games of the year 
uh, in college football, one of the top games in the Southeastern Conference. Let's see what happens for Alabama and Georgia uh, as we go along. All right, so with all of that out of the way, let's get to the conversation about college football and then eventually with Brian about the NFL. The Roundtable in the Middle talks more Alabama with Ryan Fowler from the FM Sports Station uh, all over the state of Alabama, tied 100.9 FM. Ryan is a a five-day-a-week afternoon host on that station. He'll give you great insight into the game. Again, at the time that we talked with Ryan and with Marquise Johns, the other guest on the roundtable, the Nick Saban news was not out yet. So again, whether you're hearing it, uh, whether you see us on the YouTube page, uh, via Three Dog Thursday's YouTube page, just know that that was done in advance. Just the necessity of the show can't do everything in real time at night, middle of the night, or on Thursday with the evolving and changing news. So Ryan will have a great breakdown of Alabama and Georgia. Marquise John's here to talk some boxing. We have a huge world lightweight uh, title fight between the uh, world championship fight. Vasali Lomachenko, who has two of the lightweight belts, unbeaten Teofimo Lopez out of New York, fighting Lomachenko, the Ukrainian. Saturday night, ESPN lightweight title showdown. You'll hear Marquise talking about it. You'll see us on the YouTube page showing you a little bit of preview of those guys. This is going to be a highly entertaining fight. Marquise all over it from the BigFightWeekend.com website and the Big Fight Weekend podcast that I host with him. So again, a little boxing, and then we'll also get into a little baseball. Again, in taping this show, I'm wearing a Tampa Bay Rays hat. You'll see it on the YouTube roundtable. I'm in hopes that my Rays, as I live here in the Tampa St. Pete Clearwater area, West Central Florida, that the Rays will go ahead and finish off the Houston Astros and advance to the World Series for the second time in team history. We look forward to seeing if that will happen on Wednesday. It may not. It's a best of seven. They'll play again Thursday. If necessary, they'll play again Friday. They'll play Saturday. They'll play all the way through seven games if need be until the the Rays or the Astros can win four. Right now, the Rays can put the hammer on the Astros and end the series tonight. So we'll talk a little baseball, Marquise and I, and Ryan on the roundtable as well, and make a couple of underdog predictions. I can tell you up front, Ryan, not in the Alabama-Georgia game, where Georgia is the underdog, but he likes another SEC underdog. And Marquise is a big Detroit guy, uh, born and bred in Detroit. His Lions are favored with the Jaguars. How is this possible that Detroit is favored against anybody? So Marquise will have some thoughts on that. Uh, And then in the final segment of the show, Brian is back and will make some underdog predictions on the slate. That includes my Buccaneers. I'm part of the Buccaneers radio broadcast with the Hall of Famer Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore. Uh, Buccaneers radio, we're looking forward to Bucks and Aaron Rodgers and the Packers coming to Tampa. That's a huge game. No Dak Prescott for the Cowboys. They're the Monday night game with the Cardinals. What will happen in that one? Uh, fascinating to watch all of this unfold. Steelers have never been 4-0. How about that? Pittsburgh Steelers, even in those Super Bowl years, never went 4-0 in any of them. They're 4-0 right now, going into play with the Cleveland Browns this weekend. Atlanta Falcons, a new coach. Former Buccaneer coach Raheem Morris takes over as the interim coach after Dan Quinn was fired. So uh, Atlanta on the road here at Minnesota as an underdog. Do we dare in the final segment take the Falcons as a pooch, as a doggy? We'll talk all about it. We'll make underdog predictions and much more. All right, let's get to it. Brian Edwards is up first talking college football. Roundtable show in the middle. We'll close with Brian and NFL at the end. Let's get it all underway. Month of October does roll on. We promise, we pledge, we'll be better with some underdogs this week. 
Uh, it has been a crazy first few weeks of the college football season, either on the field or with positive COVID tests, postponing, delaying, rescheduling games. We're sifting through all of it. We're going to cover all of it, and we're saying hello to our senior handicapper from BrianEdwardsSports.com as well as Vegas Insider. Here he is, Brian Edwards, back on Three Dog Thursday, talking underdogs and much more with college football in the NFL. Good to have you again this week. We're ready to go again. What's going on, TJ? Yeah, wild week. My Gators lose the heartbreaker. Florida and Alabama have mm. defensive issues, and I don't know if two SEC head coaches that have one and two records have ever done a better job than Sam Pittman and mm. uh, Mr. Lane Kiffin. And uh, some vintage Jordan hair <laughs> good fortune this past Saturday evening on the Plains. I thought you were going to say just blind officiating or home cooking or whatever. Uh, amazing that, again, they got away with the spiking of the ball backwards, which should have been a backwards pass and enabled them to kick the field goal to beat Arkansas or else Arkansas would have pulled back-to-back upsets because that would have been game over. They clearly recovered the ball and that would have been, despite the SEC trying to cover, trying to CYA that they couldn't tell if there was a clear recovery and a whistleblower, it was a clear recovery. Arkansas is on the ball when he threw it backwards. Should have been game over. Instead, Auburn allowed to kick the field goal. What a wild side. You mentioned the Texas A&M comeback to beat Florida. How about Missouri in the rescheduled Hurricane Delta game? Instead of in Baton Rouge, they played it in Columbia. And Eli Drinkwitz's team... Uh, puts 40-plus more on on Ed Orgeron and Bo Pelini's defense and beats LSU. Uh, and then you had the track meet where the ball was like the baton for Alabama and Ole Miss. What, what, what in the name of, of hunker-down SEC defense was going on? And are we going to believe that this is going to go on some more as the season unfolds where we're seeing scores in the 40s or the 50s? Um, I, I think that Ole Miss is dead last in just about every national defensive category among the 76 FBS teams that are playing as, as we speak. And they have clearly proven that they can score on anybody because Alabama, Kentucky, and Florida, at least on paper, what they were returning were, were supposed to be really good defenses this year. But L- Lane has had uh, – those defensive coordinators, uh, <laughs> a number, if you will, and then some. Yeah, well, they, they are an equal opportunity team at keeping both teams in the game, scoring and then giving up points. Uh, and, and to your point, I mean, Kentucky, a week after Ole Miss lit them up, held Mississippi State to two points. Uh, and just a quick comment from you that now we've seen back-to-back games where Leach's offense gets stuffed in a garbage can and the lead, and the, and the lid gets sealed up. The loss to Arkansas, they only scored 14 points, just two points with K.J. Costello going to the bench. Two weeks after a 600-yard game, he goes to the bench, and they only scored two points last week. Did the SEC defenses catch up to the mad scientist a little bit here, Brian? Uh, a little bit, but let's don't, uh, let's don't, or at least I won't, uh, portray it as if he his riddle has been SEC solved, in fact. I'm not going to take Mississippi State this week because KJ is just playing awful. He has thrown a pick six in every game, and it was only two yards short of a fourth pick six because a a guy ran out of gas on like a 76-yard INT return. Uh, But I think that 
kind of makes Mississippi State a little dangerous with A&M and what I would say is a little bit of a natural flat scenario mm. in Starkville. But that's a pass for me. But I don't know. If there were to be line movement north of seven, I, I might consider uh, Mississippi State. But, yeah, KJ's been awful. It's uh, it's amazing. He, he was so good. He was so good against LSU, but part of what people are saying is if you drop seven or eight in zone coverage, you create problems for Mike Leach's offense. And that's and then and Mark Stoops at Kentucky obviously lived by that uh, with what they were able to do. So we're talking a lot of SEC. Uh, we do have Clemson, who was very impressive. Brian, give me 15 seconds. They walloped Miami. I stayed away from the Canes against Godzilla. I know a couple of our guests later in the podcast liked them. Your thought on what Clemson did to Miami and what it means moving forward, really for both, but particularly for Clemson. Uh, it was domination, and it was not as close as the final score indicated. If you you know if you were locked into Ole Miss, Bama, or whoever, uh, Miami blocked a field goal and returned it for a touchdown right before halftime for a ten point swing. It was a blowout start to finish. Yes, it was, and they ran the ball well, and uh, and Trevor Lawrence even got fired up because he got cheap shot at earlier in the game and potentially injured. Uh, and then scored a touchdown and spiked the ball and got a fifteen yard penalty. I like seeing some of that. So. We've already seen some very interesting games unfold. What a great Red River uh, rivalry game with Oklahoma and Texas. The Sooners pulling it out in double overtime. I mean, that was like a a four-chapter drama, wasn't it? And, and, the, and the game went for nearly five hours at the Cotton Bowl. Uh, the longest game uh, ever played between Oklahoma and Texas in their rivalry into three overtimes before the Sooners uh, eventually pulled it out and uh, and kept their Big 12 hopes alive. And as more than one person has pointed out, ever since Sam Ellinger declared Texas back, winning that Sugar Bowl uh, against Georgia, they are now just 10-7 and seven since that Sugar Bowl back a year and a half ago, two Sugar Bowls ago. Very interesting. I mean, they've been, and, they, and they've been owned by Oklahoma recently in the series, too. Yeah, you know that game. It was it was it was a thriller, but it was pissing me off. I was ready to get to the Georgia Tennessee game. And my, my case, I had a K State bet, and I had a, a a Boston College bet against Pitt. I wanted to start watching those three games, but I couldn't take my eyes off the oh. River. And um, how about a, and how about Oklahoma had the line covered and gave up fourteen late points to get it tied into overtime. Texas has the lead in overtime to take care of everybody that had Texas, and Oklahoma ends up winning and covering in the end. I mean, you talk about a spread roller coaster, the Red River rivalry. What about the underbackers? What, yeah. what about the underbackers? Under yeah, seventy-two. Uh, they got hosed when it went uh, extra sessions. So I wasn't on that under, but. Uh, you know, yeah. those underbackers. Lots of points. One thing we've seen already, both college and the NFL, lots of scoring, lots of points here in this crazy 2020 year. All right, so that kind of sets the table for this weekend. Obviously, the Titanic Alabama Georgia game. We're going to talk more on the YouTube roundtable coming up, as I've been mentioning. Ryan Fowler in Tuscaloosa in Alabama, weekday uh, host on Tide 100.9 FM. We'll have a lot on this game, but I got to let my man Brian Edwards of BrianEdwardsSports.com and Vegas Insider. Give me a few words. Give me a few thoughts on what you think might or might not happen with Alabama, Georgia in Tuscaloosa Saturday night, sir. Well, I wrote down on Sunday morning, I wrote down 62-63 for the total. I saw 55 Sunday. Uh, I wasn't able to get it. It wasn't available for me until 57. But I like it over 
Uh, Alabama's defense looked awful last week, but Najee Harris looked great. Mac Jones looks great. Now, I know it's a three-game sample size, but it looks like Georgia might have the best defense in America, but Alabama has got one of the top two or three offenses in America, and Alabama's defense can be had. So I like it over. I got Alabama uh, Sunday night. uh, One of my accounts had four and a half. I bought it to four. And so I still lean Bama at seven or fewer, but at six, six and a half, I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I like the over, over better. And obviously, four, so. obviously it's going to be one of the games of the year for sure, Brian. And I got to stay away from it because Tiki Barber and I will be broadcasting it on National Compass Media Network's radio all over the country. We're live from Tuscaloosa Saturday night at 8 Eastern time, pregame show at 7.30, promo, promo, promo. So Tiki and I will be there. So I got to stay away with a straight prediction on the game. I did think it was interesting, as you mentioned, the line opening, and I saw you tweeting this Sunday night because I had a rare Sunday off with the Buccaneers. You were tweeting right right away that when the line came out, it may have been 4.5 or 5. It shot right up to like 6 or 6.5 with everybody betting Alabama Fascinating point there, right? That the the early money for sure moved that line up, right? Yeah, and um, it, it's interesting. Um, I don't have the stat in front of me, but uh, you know, Alabama when they've been favored by seven or fewer recently, they've been awful, which is kind mm. of surprising. But it, it entails the Clemson games, it entails the LSU game last year, uh, and. Um, I, I, uh, maybe a few of those old Miss games back uh, in the freeze era, but uh, it's rare that you get them as a single-digit favorite, but they have not been successful at that. And another stat on Alabama, i got to give a hat tip to the Bear, Chris Falica, they are dead last in America in three-and-out percentage. They have only gotten three three-and-outs on mm. 34 possessions from their opponents, 8.8%. This is not the Alabama defense that we're used to with all those players that have gone on to the NFL. We'll see if they can get it together uh, with Georgia on Saturday. More on that game coming up. All right, so that leads us, Brian, into some underdog thoughts for this weekend. I believe you want to begin with an ACC game for this week as an underdog uh, prediction. What do you like? Yeah, indeed. Uh, Boston College, they hooked me up uh, last week. They, they had been 8-0-1 against the spread in nine previous home dog spots. I got a little sprinkle of the money line. They went outright against Pitt. So now they are a 12-point road underdog at Virginia Tech. And in, the, in its last 24 as a road underdog, going back to the 2016 regular season finale, Boston College – oh, no, I'm sorry. That 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 is for – 18-5-1 and one against the spread. That's an underdog of any scenario, regardless mm. home, away, okay. or neutral. The, the, the stat for road underdog goes back to four, 2014, and it's 15-4-1 against the spread. So either way you slice it, Boston College has been a heavy moneymaker as an underdog in recent years. They've also beaten Virginia Tech in back-to-back seasons. And BC's uh, 11th in the nation in takeaways. They're plus four in turnover margin. They're 16th in scoring D, only giving up 20.8 points per game. And Phil Jerkovich, the Notre Dame transfer, 65.1 completion percentage, 1,181 passing yards, 8-2. to TDI and T ratio. He's got one of the best tight ends in America. And Hunter Long and BC will give Votech fit. It'll be a close game. 
Um, I won't call it the outright upset, but um, BC covers his double-digit dog. Getting 12 or 12 and a half, depending on where you look at it. And I was on Boston College on this Three Dog Thursday show against Sam Howell in North Carolina at home as a doggy and got the cover as they, they kept it a one-score game the entire time, actually had a chance to tie the game in the waning moments. And and Virginia Tech got lit up. Speaking of Sam Howell in Carolina, gave up 56 points last week. Granted, this is at home. Very interesting game. Primetime game. ACC Network has it for Boston College and Virginia Tech on Saturday night. I am going to go a little earlier in the day, and I was torn American Conference action here, the AAC, the league, obviously, with my alma mater, Memphis, UCF, Houston, SMU, uh, on and on. Uh, it, it a couple of very interesting home doggies, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. I know you've been very big on Cincinnati as the top group of five teams. Cincinnati currently ranked in the top 25 Luke Fickle's team traveling to Tulsa, where the Golden Hurricane already have a shocker. They won at UCF a couple of weeks ago. So now they get ready to play this one, and I get points at home with an excellent Tulsa defense uh, that had, what, three or four interceptions against Dylan Gabriel of UCF. Uh, something just, do you want to warn me off here? I know Cincinnati's your team. You've been saying that all off season, but something says to me that Tulsa may win this game, a noon early start as a three-point home underdog against the Bearcats. Brian, I like the Golden Hurricane here. Well, Tulsa has been one of the more surprising teams in the country. I mean, they lose 16-7 to at Oklahoma State, but if you watch that game, that was a very winnable mm. game for them. Yep. They, they, they could have... That they had several trips deep into Cowboy territory where they got nothing. They got stopped on downs. Uh, I think they missed a field goal, too. And, and I mean, you know, you, anytime you hold Mike Gundy's offense to 16 points and you hold UCF to 26, um, yeah, they, they got a salty D. So does Cincy. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to talk you off of it, um, I, I, but I like both teams really just in general. Interesting that neither team played last week. They were a scheduled off week. Again, the American began playing at the beginning of September and has bye weeks built in. And if they needed to have COVID makeup games, et cetera, they were doing that as well. So Cincinnati at Tulsa at noon. I did stay away. You got to be proud of me, Brian Edwards, in our college segment on Three Dog Thursday. I did stay away from the alma mater. Go Tigers, go. Brady White and Memphis against Dylan Gabriel and UCF. UCF obviously has made Memphis, uh, has tortured them with a bunch of wins, including two championship game wins in the American Conference uh, on their home field in Orlando. This game at Memphis, at the Liberty Bowl, the Tigers have actually been off for a couple of weeks, the scheduled bye week and also a COVID cancellation. UCF was also off, let me double check this, UCF was also off uh, last week as well after the loss to Tulsa. So both teams off of buys. Memphis has been off actually for three weeks. This is first game in three weeks for them. I stayed away from that game, but keep an eye here on the Tigers maybe at home being able to pull the upset. Part of that is me as a Memphis Tiger guy wanting it to happen, Brian. I can see that. And UCF is explosive on offense. We know that, but this will be an interesting American Conference game as well on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, uh, for for sure, and um, you know they uh, they certainly want to avenge that loss two years ago when they were up what thirty to 
14 and then didn't score a point in the second yep. half. Uh, yep. That was uh, – I was in Biloxi for that one. I couldn't believe UCF came back and won that game. Well, and that, and that was the one where uh, Josh Heupel went for it right on fourth down deep in his own territory and uh, and got it, and they, and, they, and they rolled on to win. And then later in the year in the championship game, Memphis was up 21 in the championship game and allowed UCF to come roaring back and beat them. We got nothing – I'm getting like PTSD now from talking about this. We got nothing but bad right. memories, Memphis playing UCF. And they didn't play last – they didn't play last year, right? Correct. That's correct. So yeah. uh, some some bad taste no in the mouth. And, and and let's or see if it is a revenge spot thing. for Memphis. But I will stay away for three dog Thursday purposes uh, from that one. Uh, and before we go in the college segment here, we don't know at the time that we're taping. I know you're a big Gator. I live here in Florida, as do you. We are wondering. You already know this answer as to whether they're playing or not playing. But at the time that Brian and I are taping, there are some 19 or more Gator players that are positive for COVID-19. There are 10 more, if I have this right, Brian, that are quarantined because they were around those different players. I don't know how they play this game. I know they may try to play this game on Sunday, which the SEC has done before because of hurricanes. But other than that, I don't know how you can play this game because you can't be sure that Florida doesn't have more COVID uh, uh, outbreak until you test on Thursday, for example, and maybe even on Friday for them to be able to practice and to unpause this. Brian, what are your thoughts? Because the Florida LSU game may be delayed off of this week altogether. We don't know that right now, but what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are that uh, I don't think that the Gators want to play with that many potential absences. But then I heard Coach O say uh, this morning that Miles Brennan probably isn't playing. He is doubtful with a mm. shoulder injury. They don't have anybody. That, I don't even know if they've had anybody that's ever taken a snap behind him and ever. So. Uh, and, and, you know, but we don't know. We don't, you know, I mean, is it Trask? Is it Kadarius Tony? Is it Kyle Pitts? I mean, who, who are the guys that have it? Uh, so, um, I, I would just assume them go ahead and move it back to December 12th. <laughs> and it, but, and it uh, may be that they do that. And you make a great point. Florida is not under an obligation to say which players that it, that they are that are positive until they're ready to play a game. And then they would obviously announce, okay, these players are not playing. And then they could say why or say why not. As long as there's not a game being played, we may never know who the specific players are right now. I just don't know that they're even going to be able to try to play it here over the next day or two. Again, the audience may know that, but Brian, it would shock me if they are playing the game Saturday afternoon or even Sunday in Gainesville, Florida, LSU. And another thing on it, if Trask is one of the guys, Emory Jones uh, hasn't dressed out the last two weeks with a foot injury, so the Gators would be starting a true freshman at quarterback as well, along with LSU. And there he goes. My thanks again to Brian uh, for hanging out, talking college football. He's back later to talk NFL. Again, bear in mind, at the time that I taped there with Brian, we did not have official confirmation on the Florida Gator game being canceled. It now is. They hope to play that game later in the year on December the 12th, kind of the built-in buffer week that the SEC has at the end of the schedule before the championship game the next weekend. We'll wait to see on that. And again, Brian and I did not know about Nick uh, Nick Saban's positive coronavirus test when we were taping that interview earlier on Wednesday. So Saban not going to coach no matter what. We hope the Alabama-Georgia game still gets played. 
Alabama, by the way, still favored, but the line has now come down a couple of points from six to four points in most of the sports books already on Wednesday and may get bet down further with Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator, allegedly going to be the uh, interim coach here in this game. they got to have somebody step in, and Sarkeesian's been the former USC coach, the former Washington Huskies head coach, so he will apparently step in. Uh, as this unfolds, again, a fluid situation for Thursday. Do they have an outbreak for Alabama, or have they contained it? It's worth repeating again what I said in the opening segment. When Mike Norvell, the Florida State coach, tested positive, his players did not get it. They played the game with Miami. Now, I know Les Miles also tested positive, the Kansas coach, for last week. They don't have an outbreak. They're due right now. They haven't played. They're due to play West Virginia, and they haven't had a player outbreak either. So there's just a couple of reference points. If you're practicing the social distancing, the safety, the guidelines, that you can contain this, let's hope that it is with Alabama. So we've got our roundtable segment coming up with Ryan Fowler and also Marquise Johns talking more about the Alabama-Georgia game. Again, at the time that we taped that roundtable, they did not know, we did not know about Nick Saban's positive COVID test. But you'll hear us talking about the games, the X's and O's. Marquise will talk some boxing with the Lomachenko Lopez World Lightweight title fight coming Saturday night. Some baseball and some NFL underdog talk as well coming on the roundtable as we roll along. But first, let's talk more about our friends at MyBookie.ag. Winning season is here, and that means the NFL is in full swing, and it's your chance to win big, and there's no sweeter feeling than watching your team come roaring back to win in a game that puts cash in your pocket. So whether you're a first-time player, a veteran of the game, you're taking the underdogs like on this show, siding with the favorites, there won't be a better time to get in the action than right now with MyBookie. And our promo code SGP20, because you use that promo code and you get a free $20 wager right now with your first deposit for anything in their sports book. That's right. My bookie is giving you a chance to make your first ever bet with them for free on us with the promo code SGP20. Of course, the NBA playoffs have concluded. The Stanley Cup playoffs have finished up, concluded. Baseball headed to the World Series. Bet on that. Uh, bet on college football, the NFL, even the presidential election. All of it, uh, you can find it all at mybookie.ag. And remember, uh, everything that you're betting on, you can enhance it with our promo code if you're a first-time better. Free $20 bet. Just use our promo code SGP20. So it all begins today. It's exclusively at MyBookie. Just remember, it's winning season, baby. You bet, you win, you get paid with MyBookie. And the promo code is SGP20. We're also brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy. You want to come prop up with Thrive Fantasy this season as it's a daily fantasy sports app for player props. And with with Thrive, you eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. If you're playing NFL Thrive Fantasy, choose 10 out of the available top 20 player props and build your lineup. Uh, if you're using something like Major League Baseball or eSports or something else, use five of the 10 available players for that week, and each prop is assigned a fantasy value for the under or over based on how likely it is to hit it. If you hit the most props, you rack up the most points. 
and get a prize pool. And Thrive has paid out over $50,000 already in guaranteed weekly prizes. They've awarded over $1.6 million in cash prizes so far through through Thrive. And you can use our promo code SGP when you sign up and get an instant match up to $50 on your first deposit. So if you put $10 in... Then Thrive's going to give you $10 more to spend. Same thing if you put $50 in, up to $50, they'll give you $50 on the initial match with our promo code SGP. Again, check out all of these player props, a couple of the ones that stand out to me. Again, there's only 20 of them to choose for, but one of the ones that I was liking a lot, Phillip Rivers in the Indianapolis game with Cincinnati is uh, one and a half is the under and over on touchdown passes. I like the over in that one for them to bounce back and bash the Bengals who are bad. Give me Phillip Rivers over one and a half on the TD passes uh, for games this weekend. And I liked another one, uh, Daryl Henderson, my Memphis Tiger, the running back of the LA Rams, playing that Sunday night game at San Francisco. He's got a half point on the under over on touchdown scored. It can be either a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown. I'm playing the over. I think he's going to get one. He got one last week against Washington, the Washington football team. Daryl Henderson, running back Rams. Give me the under over. Give me the over total on that one. Uh, And how about Mike Evans, my Tampa Bay Buccaneer wide receiver? Very intriguing. Five and a half is the under over total against the Packers on his receptions. The Bucs' top receiver has had some games where he's basically only had one catch or two catches. Had, a, had what, a five-catch game the other night against the Bears? Five and a half may be right at the number. I might go under on the catches for Mike Evans. We'll see for this week. He's been very productive with touchdowns, though. Six of them on the year for Mike Evans in the Packers game. Again, this is what you do on Thrive uh, Fantasy. Go to Thrive Fantasy, sign up for free, go into the props lobby, and pick out uh, 10 of these under-overs that you like to get into the contest for thousands and thousands of dollars. And again, your initial sign-up will be matched by our friends at Thrive Fantasy. SGP is the promo code. They'll match you up to $50 on your first deposit. So download the Thrive Fantasy app right now in the App Store or uh, the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. Visit their website for more information, rules, etc. ThriveFantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today with Thrive Fantasy. And don't forget, promo code SGP. It's Thrive Fantasy, and the promo code is SGP. And if you've ever thought of owning your own sports book, but you didn't know how, Ace Per Head is here to help you start it up. They'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately. They've got top-notch customer service going 24-7, some of the sharpest lines in the industry, and plus... Ace Per Head also has live betting and a great mobile experience. You can get started today. Ace is offering six weeks free, by the way. Go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP to find out more. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. We do continue along, and it is our Zoom broadcast here as part of YouTube and the Three Dog Thursday Roundtable. Look at the smiling faces, and we got so much to talk about uh, here as part of the podcast. It's Alabama and Georgia, and that means my man Ryan Fowler from Tide 100.9 FM. Their weekday host is uh, with us. Good to have you, sir. Little bitty football game going on, Alabama-Georgia Saturday night. Good to have you. 
Hey, number two against number three, it's Alabama, Georgia. You know, when the schedule was released, I mean, we go back years. When the schedule was released initially, uh, you know, it was September. But then we, we all kind of pulled for the new schedule of 10 games of where this game would be. And this is the most important schedule, uh, the game on the schedule for the Alabama Crimson Tide. So when you kind of step back and you look at it, you begin to look at this game, it's Kirby Smart versus Nick Saban. It's, it's all – I mean, this is what college football is all about, my friend. And, you know, it must be big time if TJ's showing up with Tiki Barber to do the game nationally on Compass Media all over the country on radio – I don't know if it's big time if I show up, but it's a, it's a national broadcast, and obviously CBS will show it all over the country mm-hmm. as well. So we're looking forward to talking more about that, obviously. Ryan's so fired up, he's going into the breakdown during the welcome and the intro. He can't wait. He can't get enough oh, of this. I mean, this Marquise, is great. This is I, I know. great college football. I know. Marquise Johns is also here, and Marquise is my wingman on the Big Fight Weekend website. Huge sports fan. Marquise, good to have you because – Again, we have an impactful, huge world lightweight championship fight in Las Vegas Saturday night. So it's great to get you on because you're going to talk everything and a little boxing. Good to have you, sir. Absolutely, TJ. No, this is a big time thing for ESPN this weekend with boxing. They put a lot of promotion and a lot of time, effort, and money into this fight, and it's a good one. It's an undisputed lightweight championship between Tiafimo Lopez versus Vasily Lomachenko. Yep, so we're going to have fun talking about that in a couple of moments. All right, so we'll get to that in a second. Back to what Ryan was bringing up first, and I'll, I'll share the screen here. It is, it is obviously about to be here. It is Alabama and Georgia, and uh, my goodness, what, what in the name of, uh, of run the football was going on there the other night? Najee Harris, uh, I lost track at like 200-something uh, yards, four touchdowns, five touchdowns, eight touchdowns. That game, Ryan Fowler, was like arena football with Ole Miss. Whoever has it last is going to win. It was, what, the highest-scoring regulation game in SEC history. But this guy that we're watching on the screen right now, Najee Harris, was tremendous running the ball. Give me a little analysis on that game and how does it tie into the Georgia game, Ryan Fowler? Well, let me, let me say this. When you look at this Alabama-Georgia game, we, we've got to go back to Alabama-Ole Miss because I think Lane Kiffin exposed you know, a lot of weaknesses for this Alabama defense. When you back up and you take a look at the way Alabama tackled in that game, it was not good. I mean, they had Or the didn't play. tackle, maybe. Yeah, did not. <laughs> did, did not tackle. I mean, I mean, the way that they attempt to tackle uh, would be the – but Lane Kiffin exposed them. Lane Kiffin exposed, you know, Alabama's defensive side of the football. And you would expect that the blueprint – I'm not saying that Georgia can do what Ole Miss was able to do, but when you back up a couple of minutes and you look at it, they're going to do some things. They're going to be able to do some things that that maybe Lane Kiffin kind of gave them the recipe. But Alabama's offense was just as good, but Alabama's defense was just as bad. And, And I think that's the story of walking out of there. We do a score prediction contest in Tuscaloosa every week. We probably take 60 calls, and that was yesterday. I had more people that picked Georgia to beat Alabama, and we're talking about Alabama fans. Interesting. I had more people that took Georgia to beat Alabama on our score prediction contest than I've ever had. That picked Just because of what they saw with the defense and I it think scared so. the other yeah. night. Yeah, because it reminds you – you know, defense is not as 
you know, I've debated the question, elite offense or elite defense, what would you take in current college football? And, and I think everybody sees the trend. You know, Santa Clara, California against Clemson, uh, the defense showed up. Uh, you know, we, we look back at, at the game there in Tampa, 2016, 100 plays. They couldn't get Clemson off the field, lost the championship. It's just been a cycle of the direction, the trend for Nick Saban has been that the defense is not getting any better under uh, Pete Golding. All right, and it's interesting that Charlie Strong, and Marquise knows this name because he was in Tampa with USF after being fired at Texas, was at USF for three years. He's there as the consultant, the observer. He's a defensive mind. How much input does he have? Stay tuned on that for that huge college football showdown that is coming up on Saturday. Let's bring Marquise back in and talk a little boxing. Uh, I'm going to share the screen again. This is Saturday night. ESPN has Teofimo Lopez from New York the unbeaten IBF lightweight champion, Teofimo, going against Vasily Lomachenko, Ukrainian unified lightweight champion who's got two of the belts. One of the best fights remaining in 2020 is coming up. The guy that we're watching, savage opponents here on the screen, Teofimo Lopez, and the backflips, by the way, wearing the Joe Burrow jersey. Ryan doesn't approve of that from the Heisman (laughs) Trophy last year. Uh, because he fought right after the Heisman Trophy uh, uh, ceremony. He fought then. All right, so uh, Marquise, we're taking a look at Teofimo Lopez. He's taking on Lomachenko, who is a slick, hard-punching veteran fighter. Uh, What do you make of this, sir, here? Saturday night, ESPN will show it, not on pay-per-view. Great fight. Tell me more, Marquise. Absolutely, TJ. One of the best fights that Top Rank has made in a long time, and it's on pretty much over-the-air ESPN television, which is also impressive on their end because they don't put – more often than these things are behind paywalls and pay-per-view, and they were always talking about – they were talking about doing it before the pandemic started. ESPN decided to ship in, put it over-the-air free television. They put a lot of promotion in the documentaries of it. They put out the two-part series of Blood, Sweat, and Tears chronicling Lomachenko's parents and Teofimo Lopez's dad and how they trained leading up to this fight. It's a great fight that's going to be in the ring, TJ, because what, what, what will happen in this is the, this will pretty much determine the undisputed champion at 135 pounds. I know Lomachenko's the franchise champion, whatever that means in English, but at the end of the day, even Marco Solomon said that this is for the undisputed championship. No disrespect to Devin Haney, despite being disrespected, but that's what this is all for. And what will change from here, TJ, as you, want, as you well know, is that there's not going to be a rematch clause in this fight. So this is pretty much winner take all at 135. And we'll see how this goes from there. There was rumors that Lomachenko was talking about moving back down in weight in the, after this fight. When I spoke to him on the media Zoom call beforehand, he mentioned that he'll make a business decision and choose the best fight, which is best for him, TJ, at 130 or 135. You know, a great Deion Sanders line, uh, a business decision. So we'll see how this plays out with <laughs> Lomachenko should be, who is the favorite. Okay, so we're win. watching while you're talking, we're watching Lomachenko work out, and this is very similar to Ryan Fowler and my, my workouts whenever we hold workouts <laughs> here. Look at, the, look at the eye-hand coordination on what he is doing with a weighted little bag there. Look at this, right out of Rocky Balboa with the push-ups, with the weights. Lomachenko is no joke. He is the veteran. He is the more experienced of the two. Look at this. Uh, and then catches himself on the push-up. He is physically talented, gifted. This is going to be a very entertaining fight. I mean, we're not just selling this to sell it. It's going to be an entertaining fight, Marquise. Absolutely, TJ. And, yeah, one thing about Lomachenko and his training regimen, it is always the most strangest and, like, outlandish things you see over and over again. I remember, like, last year 
for the fight with Anthony Corolla. He was playing literally beach volleyball. I think it was with seals at one point, like out in the ocean. It was something ridiculous. <laughs> and like, it's, it's one of those things where it's hard to judge, like based on what he does in the outside the ring, what he's going to do in the ring. But the one thing that happens in the ring is he is known to punch and to not get hit, which is the big key for that whole fight on yep. Saturday night. All right. That's the voice of Marquise Johns. If you are only hearing us, I say this all the time. If you're only hearing us on the podcast, come find the YouTube roundtable, Three Dog Thursday's YouTube page, social media link, et cetera, through sportsgamblingpodcast.com and their network of shows. Find the YouTube page. You'll see Marquise Johns. You'll also see Ryan Fowler talking Alabama as well from 100.9 Tide FM in Alabama, their weekday host as we break all of this down. So a little Tide, a little college football, a little boxing, and now you see me wearing the hat, a little baseball. Marquise, we are beaming ear to ear right now that the Rays are on the verge, the Tampa Bay Rays we're talking about, of being in the World Series. The Rays up at the time that we're taping three games to none on the Houston Astros. It looks good, up three zip in the best of seven. Uh, Let's take a look here at the Rays playing a little exciting defense uh, as well in this one uh, from from uh, the Tuesday night game. Again, we're taping this in advance of Three Dog Thursday. Look at Kevin Kiermeyer with the diving catch. Oh, extension. The gold, the gold glove center fielder, just like Marquise Johns back in the day, <laughs> making the diving catch look routine in the outfield. They did this like three times in the game with the Astros in game three, making the diving catch. Again, the Rays have been in the World Series only one time in their history, 2008. I remember it well. I was there right after my twin daughters were born 12 years ago. Lost to the Phillies. Now here's a chance in this bizarre COVID 2020 year for the Rays to be back. Marquise, a big source of pride for us right now in the Tampa Bay area. Can the Rays get to the World Series? We're about to find out. Absolutely, TJ. I think they I can, actually. What's not pictured behind me, TJ, is the uh, broom I'm getting from your local department store from uh, Lowe's, actually, here to two uh, – to greet the Houston Astros on the way out. I'm looking forward to this Sweep one because it's great I love it. I love it, Marquise. Good. And you mentioned, TJ, the great game from 2008. I was there at the local uh, establishment across the street, Ferbs, as you well know, oh, yeah. uh, when uh, Aki Nori Imamura ran across the second base to signify the championship for ALE's championships back in 08. I was there for that for all of that You're Right, chaos. they clinched the World Series against the Red Sox in Game 7 and about blew the roof off the trop, your place, and half the Tampa Bay area. There's no doubt. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to it because this is the game where – this is, I think it's going to be the season finale for them, and I'm looking forward to seeing who we face on the other side in the NL, which is intriguing because I would have thought it was going to be L.A. in a sweep, but apparently they have no bullpen, apparently. So we'll see how that all shakes everything down out. Yeah, so the Braves and the Dodgers, right now at the time we're taping, the Braves lead two games to none over the Dodgers. Ryan is like so-so on the baseball, sort of. You're regionally close to Atlanta, and the Braves always have had the South for many decades since being uh, on TBS cable. So we'll see what happens with the Braves, but that's a tenuous two games to none lead. The Braves almost blew game two, by the way, on Tuesday night, and they're playing seven straight days if necessary, both the American League and the National League. Can the Braves hang on? Will it be the Dodgers? And again, the Rays, we're just like rubber stamping that it's the Rays. The Rays would fly from San Diego to meet either the Dodgers or the Braves in Arlington, Texas, in this bizarre baseball playoff and World Series with however it works. Whoever wins the American League flying to Arlington to play the National League team, 
And that could be coming as soon as this weekend. If the Braves were to polish off the Dodgers, Braves Rays could be beginning this weekend in the 2020 Bizarre World Series. So stand by uh, for that as well. All right, it is Three Dog Thursday. Uh, We're moving along here with this. Uh, Underdogs is what we do. I I am not going to go after the Georgia Bulldogs as much, Ryan, as you were saying that your fan base uh, was a little uh, concerned about Georgia maybe winning this game. The interesting that when the line opened Sunday, we were talking about this in the last segment before we did the roundtable, the line opened at five for Alabama favored by five and immediately shot up to like six and a half or seven. Everybody was betting Alabama. Boom, 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 boom. So it is six or six and a half, depending on where you're getting it. I'm staying away. I'm broadcasting the game. It's just interesting. It's, it's fascinating to me, Ryan, that you said that your audience is liking Georgia. I'm not saying that you got to take the Bulldogs. I'm not expecting you to. Is there another underdog that you might like? that's on the list uh, here for this weekend, maybe an SEC underdog, something else that you like, Ryan Fowler? Well, let's go to this Ole Miss-Arkansas game. And do you have that line right there in front of you? uh, I believe it was three, something like that, three and a half. We'll double check. So so let me me take uh, two sides of this. When you look at Ole Miss, I think they exhausted everything on the field. I think they put everything into that game. And I think they'll have that crimson fade when you kind of leave it all out there, as Lane Kiffin did, uh, mentally exhausted. I mean, that was a that was a that was a great right. football game. But as you talked about Najee Harris a couple of minutes ago, what he was able to do. So you back up and you take that look at that Ole Miss number right there. Yep. I I just think Arkansas guys. This may be at the home, biggest surprise at home. Yes. That Sam Pittman is a good looking coach, and see they do it physical. Keep in mind now, Ole Miss cannot stop the rush. They give up over seven yards per carry when you talk about the defensive side of the football. Alabama was able to enhance that number a little bit. But even going into the Alabama game, they were 7.11 yards. I think Arkansas wins this game straight up. All right, as a home dog. And Arkansas robbed last week. Again, if if we don't have time to go into all of it, but if you have not seen the play where Auburn's Bo Nix was trying to clock the ball and turned around and did it backwards, which means it's a live ball. It's a backwards pass. It's not an incomplete forward. What is the backwards spike? They don't know how to spike at Auburn? I mean, Ryan, I'm I'm playing your song. You you bash Auburn all day long. They don't even know how to spike on the planes. Yeah, but, but Auburn gets so many calls from the officials. It, this is like a normal thing. This is like – I mean, you go back to the Alabama halftime uh, from the previous – you know, last year down there where they put another second back on the clock. The official looks at Nick Saban and says, there's no way they get the snap off. It takes more than this. They got the snap off. They got the kick. The they took goal. the momentum. The SEC officials, I think what it is, is they feel sorry for Auburn because they're little brother in a big state, and they get all the calls. Uh, I've yeah, never that was, seen. I understand that was horrible last week for Arkansas because it would have been again game over. They recover the fumble. There is no game-winning field goal sure. attempt. It would have been game over. They let the call stand. They let them kick a field goal right after that, and Arkansas loses at Auburn. So Ryan is all over of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Look out for them, an early game with Ole Miss out of the SEC. Marquise John, someone's Detroit Lions. I'm going to share the screen again. Is this correct? 
off the bye week that someone's Detroit Lions, I'm looking at the college games here, and we're looking at the, uh, the odds from our friends at mybookie.ag, uh, our, uh, our sponsors with the Sports Gambling Podcast and their, and their network of, uh, of lines. There it is, Marquise Johns. Dare I even – do I see a minus number next to the Detroit Lions? They are favored on the road, Marquise, at Jacksonville here uh, this weekend. It is the Jaguars, but what, what about that? Are you okay with the Lions being favored? Uh, no, TJ, considering that they didn't win a road game until they beat Arizona this year, and before that, it was a year before that. You're going to continue the streak of losing on the road. I don't know how I understand, TJ, how – me being the number one Lions apologist, as you know, TJ, I don't know how they're favored considering that Minshew can throw the football, which is the one thing they did against Houston. Houston has a better secondary than Detroit. So I can't figure out how that number got there. I guess it's, I guess they're trying to play on the, the strings of, uh, of hopeful Lions fans trying to pound a number into the pavement. and. I wouldn't touch that. Are there any hopeful Lions fans left? I don't know. Marquise is from Detroit, and he doesn't have any hope left. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you were tweeting last week that the great thing about last weekend is the Lions weren't going to lose because it was a bye week. Uh, they were, they, so, were, were five-to-point favorite uh, underdogs against the bye week, TJ. Think I <laughs> okay. So the Lions are part of Three Dog Thursday. Brian Edwards and I will be talking more NFL underdogs in our final segment after we're done with the YouTube roundtable. We'll see what happens with the Lions and with the Jaguars. Let me promote these guys one more time. You're seeing them on the screen again on the YouTube uh, roundtable here, but I want to promote where you find them, where you see them. You can find Ryan Fowler right here on social media. Find him at Ryan C. Fowler on Twitter. Tide109.com is uh, Tide FM for the station. He also, the, the name of the show is The Game. The game with Ryan Fowler runs, as you see right there, 2 to 6 p.m. Central Time on Tide 100.9. Lots on the Alabama Crimson Tide with Ryan Fowler. So hopefully I did well by you promoting there. Marquise Johns finding right here. Great handle, as we always say, on our Big Fight Weekend coverage, Weak Sauce Radio. Because when it, Now, he brought some strong sauce, Ryan Fowler, to the – to the video roundtable, but he's Weak Sauce Radio on Twitter. There is his Twitter handle. Of course, he's got the Pistons hat on, Detroit Apologist. BigFightWeekend.com <laughs> is the website where Marquise and I hang out and talk lots of boxing. Find the Big Fight Weekend podcast if you're seeing us right here. Marquise and I host the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We'll be previewing that Lomachenko-Lopez fight for this week. And this weekend, every week, we're talking fights heading into the weekend on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Subscribe right there on Apple Podcasts as you see it on the screen. Guys, did I get all the promotional stuff right? At least I hope I did with all of this. Uh, Ryan, I look forward to this game this weekend with Alabama and Georgia, one of the games of the year in the SEC. One more thought from you before we get out of here on Bama, Georgia. Bama's won the last five in the series. Nick Saban, as we know, has never lost to one of his assistants, so some of the numbers pointing right at Alabama. Well, and, and, and let, me, let me go back and give you guys credit, man. You guys have got me fired up for boxing. I mean, I, and I'm a big <laughs> boxing guy, uh, and, and I, here I am because during the season we dial so much into college football that we don't spend a lot of time uh, talking other sports, anything. I mean, the Super Bowl could be played here, and we'd be talking college football. So you guys have <laughs> kind of got me a little bit fired up. But I t- I'll take another fight uh, analogy here. Keep in mind, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart have worked together for a long time. But let me say this. There's not good blood because of the recruiting trail. Uh, Kirby Smart has went against Nick Saban's age. He said a lot of things on that recruiting trail 
that has been um, that that has been taken. When it got back to when it got back to the Godfather, he ain't happy. Is what you're saying? No, no. And so Nick Saban, <laughs> you know, there there could have been a look ahead for this Ole Miss Alabama game. They may be looking ahead to Georgia uh, because understanding that this game. And, and really, these two teams may meet again in the SEC championship game. That looks like the path. So, really, we're talking about a super big game. And then you could also take, well, who, who wins the game? And can you beat a team twice, regardless, you know, of, of this opponent? So, it's going to be a lot of fun. This is, this is why we love college football, two against three. No doubt. I look forward to being there coming on Saturday. Marquise will be dialed in all over Lomachenko Lopez. Again, they can find the Big Fight Weekend podcast where we'll uh, break that fight down even more. And again, it's not a pay-per-view. It's not on ESPN+. Plus. Everyone will see it on ESPN Saturday night as the college football is winding down. Marquise, final thought from you before we get out of here on the roundtable? Absolutely, TJ. This fight that's happening this Saturday on ESPN, if you haven't got, if you haven't heard about it by the time you listen to this podcast, you will have by the time it's all said and done. I assure you on ESPN's word of it. Yeah, because they're going to promote the daylights out of it over the next four or five days heading to the weekend. And Lopez is the slight underdog. Lomachenko, again, is a Ukrainian former gold medalist, has fought much better competition. Let's see what happens. Unbeaten kid from New York with a big right hand should be an intriguing fight late night. Saturday night. Guys, you did great. Ryan Fowler uh, with uh, Tide 100.9 FM. Thank you. Marquise Johns with BigFightWeekend.com, the website and the podcast. Boys, thank you. I appreciate you hanging out with me here on the Three Dog Thursday Roundtable. It was a pleasure. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely, DJ. Thanks for having me on, guys. Ryan Edwards joins me coming up straight ahead as the audio version of the podcast continues here for Three Dog Thursday. And we are back in once more with the senior handicapper. Find him at brianedwardsports.com. Also, writings on majorwager.com. And, of course, Vegas Insider as well as Brian Edwards rejoins me. Time to talk a little NFL football. I do say thank you to the Cleveland Browns who came through for me on Three Dog Thursday last week with the outright home win over Phillip Rivers of the Colts. The real Phillip Rivers showed up again. Brian Edwards throwing interceptions, including a pick six in the second half of that game with the Browns. And how about the Browns? Are you ready? Have not been four and one. Have not been four and one. Brian, do you know this? Have not been four and one since nineteen ninety four. No, no, no. Nineteen ninety four with Bill Belichick as head coach and Nick Saban as defensive coordinator. Nineteen ninety four Cleveland. The last time they were four and one. And have now uh, won four straight games. Interesting for the Browns. You have the Steelers uh, in that matchup uh, this week. Obviously, I want you to say a couple things uh, about the Cowboys losing Dak Prescott. I know you were all over this. It's been a big topic this week. On the one-year deal, he was betting on himself. Didn't take the long-term money from the Joneses. Took the one-year $30 million deal. We should also be so fortunate to have these kind of options to take a one-year $30 million deal instead of a long-term contract. And now he turns out to have a horrific right ankle injury scrambling against the New York Giants uh, last week. Uh, Broken ankle, dislocated ankle, gruesome injury, had the ankle surgeries out for the rest of the year. Brian, your thoughts on the whole situation, including uh, where the Cowboys try to go from here? Well, first off, uh, Dak's a great guy, and so obviously uh, I feel horrible for him, and and, and that seemed to be the 100% universal sentiment so wishing him well in his recovery but I mean I, I you know I'm not trying to be like oh I was right but as we struggled to have content and doing a weekly 
uh, Three Dog Thursday yep. pod uh, during the pandemic, you know, we, we talked about this multiple times, and I, I thought that, that Dak was a fool for turning down generational wealth. When the, uh, if, I think it was two years ago he got offered 30 mil per, like five or six years, and then this past summer it was 35, but him and his agent wanted 40, and I thought it was a mistake then. I, I said it. It was too risky. Yep. Um, and so – I think he made a mistake, but he uh, turned down easily seventy million guaranteed on that on that deal that would have been coming his way. Um, And I still believe. Do you agree with me? The Joneses will take care of him. He he may not end up getting. uh, Here we go, parsing millions. He may not end up getting thirty thirty five million a year or whatever off this injury, but I could see the Joneses giving him still a three- or four-year contract and giving him $40, 50000000 million guaranteed, which at this point, that's got to be a win for him. I still see that happening. What is your thought? Yeah. Yeah, well, they've come out and kind of said that. Uh, Jerry and his son have pretty much said that this week. Um, and it's easy to say this week. Uh, let's see where they are in six to nine months. But, uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, no, Dak's not going to ever be living on the street. Uh, that's for sure. The Joneses will never let that happen. That's for sure. Well, and then we'll see how Andy Dalton does, and I'll have some more thoughts on that as they get ready to play Monday night football against the Cardinals and try to pick up the pieces here, at least offensively. They did stick it out. I should mention that Brian Edwards was teasing. You didn't take it, that you liked the Giants with a ton of points. The more that you were diving into that game, uh, that you really thought that would be a spot where they would hang tough. Nobody could have foreseen Dak Prescott getting injured uh, in the first half of the game. But it turns out the Giants did hang in. They did cover. You had, what, uh, four successful picks, either favorites, underdogs, or with the under-over number last week. And and what are you hitting now for the last three weeks? You're still about 65% on your NFL picks right now, correct? Uh, well, I went... 7 and 0 uh week 3 last week uh 3 2 and 1 uh this week 3 and 2 on Sunday but I, I at the last minute I played the Bears Bucks over lost that and then I split last night winning the over but losing the Bills so 4 and 4 on the week and just 7 6 and 1 the last two weeks but that makes me what 14 6 and 1 the last Three Very weeks, nice. so uh, still doing pretty pretty good, but not not that great the last two weeks. And I, I don't think it's a very good week for underdogs, K. Raj. Um, and, and I find the line really fascinating with Houston at Tennessee. I know we're looking at an unprecedented short week of preparation, uh, you know, with a Tuesday night game, but there's no travel for the Titans. They were at right, home. They're right. at home here. They're only three to the Texans. I know we don't endorse favorites here but i'll certainly say to stay away from the texans plus three <laughs> and it is interesting because tennessee looked tremendous for all the controversy Ooh. not being able to practice i mean they dump trucked a good 4-0 buffalo team especially in the second half pulling away and so you're right it's fascinating now uh, typically teams that are playing sunday to thursday only have four days so this is the reverse it's a tuesday to sunday but it is fascinating that tennessee only a three-point favorite with the texans who did get a win albeit over the jaguars last weekend with romeo cronell 
as the interim coach. Um, all right, speaking of interim coaches, yeah, go ahead. Give me one more note. Go ahead. Also, Adam, they, they might get Jeffrey Simmons, their best defensive tackle back, who they didn't have last night. I'm not really – no, I think Adore Jackson's hurt, not COVID. But Corey Davis has got COVID. They're leading a receiver only because A.J. Brown had missed a game or two. But, uh, you know, they may get – Titans may have more players back as well. So um, that was, I just wanted to add that. Well, yeah, and and again, uh, with the COVID situation, it, it is um, it is unlikely that they would have one of those guys necessarily available for this weekend. It is a maybe that that would be the case. We just got to stay tuned because, again, Brian and I are taping this midweek. Who is able to practice on Thursday and Friday? Who's cleared? That we'll learn more as the as the week unfolds on that one. All right. So speaking of interim coach situations. Brian is a big Atlanta Falcon guy and, it, and has been taking it on the chin for the last couple of years. And finally, Arthur Blank had seen enough after another loss, this time to Carolina at home this weekend and an 0-5 start. Uh, Blank pulls the trigger not only on Coach Dan Quinn, but Thomas Dimitrov, the general manager. And Dimitrov, the architect of playoff caliber teams for over a decade, a Super Bowl team, they're both gone. Clean sweep. In the season, did not wait any longer, and he installed Raheem Morris, who is one of my favorites. Raheem, the former head coach of the Buccaneers, 2009, 10, and 11. Uh, Raheem, a longtime Tampa Bay assistant before that. Been around him, done his coach's show. Uh, I'm rooting for him, all except for the two games in which the Falcons play the Buccaneers, uh, which will be later on in the year. So Raheem takes over as the head coach. Um, Atlanta at Minnesota. Uh, it just concerns me that they're on the road uh, here in this one and trying to get it together. It is interesting that a year ago when Quinn shook up the coaching staff and fired Marquand Manuel as the off as the defensive coordinator, he promoted Raheem Morris to the defensive coordinator and, and they beat the Saints outright as like an eight or nine point underdog a year ago. That's last year. This is this year. I'm iffy on Atlanta. I got to see something at Minnesota. Minnesota angry after Russell Wilson came back and beat them on Sunday night football with the last second heroics again in Seattle. Minnesota back at home. I'm going to stay away from the game, but it will be very interesting to see if the Falcons, your Falcons, Brian, respond to Raheem Morris in a different voice this week. Yeah, it, it will be interesting. Uh, I want to thank Thomas Dimitrov. A lot of people forget that uh, you know the Falcons had never, ever once had back-to-back winning seasons when he took over right after the Michael Vick, you know, losing yep. Michael Vick, and the city was just so crushed by it. I lived there back, back then, and, and we made the playoffs the first year under Matt Ryan as a rookie. It had a lot of success and had many back-to-back-to-back winning seasons, but he's had a few bad drafts, and, and the defense has just not gotten better. And it was just time to blow it all up. And I'll take it a step further. I'm not against keeping Matt Ryan and Julio Jones around. But if another quarterback goes down and there's interest in Matt Ryan, uh, maybe even Shanahan and the 49ers uh, with him and Matt Ryan. But I, but right now, though, San Fran is, what, two and three and behind the Rams and the Seahawks, would they want to give a first-round pick away? But I, So I'm saying I'm not against keeping Julio and Matt, 
But if Maddie and or Julio can get us a first-round pick before the trade deadline, I mean, I'm all for it. Let's start over from scratch. I mean, mm. ground zero, new regime, new everything. And, look, we might be in the hunt for Trevor Lawrence if we keep losing. Well, and, uh, yeah, well, I was going to say there are several teams that might be in the hunt. And, of course, Lawrence would be a regional draw if that's the case. Matt Ryan's contract is backloaded, and it's going to make him almost impossible to trade without reworking it. And Julio Jones, by the way, has a massive contract. Dimitrov kept giving him more money and more money. They, they basically have about 40% of their salary cap taken up by those two guys right now, Brian. So it's not good. Uh, yeah. they, they've got some issues. Know, we'll but, see what the Falcons can do but, on the field. Go ahead. But if a legit contender like uh, the Ravens and a Lamar Jackson goes down with a season ender or a big Ben Roethlisberger goes down with a season ending injury, and you still and you think you have, I, I now again, I don't know how it would work necessarily with cap space or whatever. But I mean, if you're in a bind, you got a, a team you think you can win a Super Bowl, and your quarterback's gone, and you can go get Matt Ryan. I mean, you never know. I I guess it could be complicated. You make a great point about San Francisco because that's the Shanahan connection. And even though as crazy as it sounds on the surface that Garoppolo helped them get to the Super Bowl a year ago, remember he was out for the year, torn ACL the previous year. He's been injured at the beginning of this year. I don't know that they are married to him long-term, especially if they put him on the bench Sunday, second half against Miami, they put him on the bench. If he were to struggle in this week's game with the Rams, the cries again in San Francisco are going to be, we need another quarterback. So maybe, well, let's see. Let's keep an eye on that situation. You bring up a good point, and, and what kind of cap flexibility does San Francisco have, even if they were to try to entertain a move like that? We'll wait and see. All right, so you've perused uh, the slate of games uh, for this week. Again, no Thursday night game because the Kansas City-Buffalo game was moved to next Monday uh, because of all of the delays uh, with the Tennessee Titans, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It was unfair to the Bills and the and the Chiefs to have to wait around to figure out when they were playing. So they're now playing on Monday. No Thursday night game. So you've looked up and down the slate, and you don't have an underdog that really jumps out at you right now, Brian Edwards, correct? Well, Cincinnati's offensive line really pissed me off the other day, <laughs> so I just don't know that I'm going to go back to them. But I might. It's a, the week is early. The week is early. My Joe Barrow love affair is not going to die. You still have that love affair. And last week, if you had not taken Burrow, if you had gone the other way with the Ravens who just squashed them, you'd have had a 4-1 and one Sunday. Your only loss, I think, would have been the under-over total on the Rams and the uh, and the Redskins, or the former Redskins, the Washington football team. Uh, other than that, you were in great shape. You have this, you have this fixation on Burrow, and you don't realize he plays for Cincinnati. It's a winning fixation. I had won seven in a row with him. Remember, I got a good line in week one, plus three and a half, and they lost by three to the Chargers. They had covered the last three, so I was 4-0 backing him in the Bengals this year, and then I had him against Georgia, Oklahoma, and Clemson last year. So I'm 7-1 and back in my man Burrow the last eight times I've done so. <laughs> Cincinnati at Indianapolis early game Sunday. That is the Colts favored by seven and a half or eight, depending on where you get it. And again, the Colts fell apart last week behind the Rivers interceptions. Baker Mayfield looking fantastic uh, for the Cleveland Browns. They stay against the AFC North playing the Bengals this week. 
Uh, I could be accused of a ho- as being a homer, Buccaneers off of the long 10 days after losing to the Bears, like you mentioned, now playing Green Bay at home. Green Bay also off last week. Buccaneers a two-point or one-and-a-half-point underdog at home. That one is very tantalizing, but because I could be accused of being biased or a homer, I'll stay away from that one for Three Dog Thursday purposes. I'll go to the Monday night game. I am I, I am looking. There's two of them, actually. I am looking at Arizona-Dallas and the Cowboys getting two-and-a-half at home with Andy Dalton at quarterback. I don't know that Arizona should be a road favorite against anybody other than the Jets like they were last week. The Jets are awful. Uh, and Arizona already with a loss at home to the to the Lions as well. I think this is Dalton game managing, handing it to Ezekiel Elliott. I know Kyler Murray is dangerous. The Dallas defense giving up points, but I will take as my lone NFL doggy here. I will take the Dallas Cowboys. I like them on Monday night in this in this spot here against the Arizona Cardinals. Real quick, Brian. And, and this is you rarely have to play three straight weeks. Uh, on the road, but that's exactly what Arizona is having to do here, a third consecutive road assignment. So that is not a good spot. Okay, so again, the Cardinals come in there as the underdog. The Sunday night game, by the way, is that Rams-San Francisco game where the 49ers at 2-3 and three only have the two wins over the two awful New York teams, the Jets and the Giants, and they have now lost uh, at home in back-to-back games with the Eagles and the Miami Dolphins, that was one of the upsets of the year. Miami just pummeling them last week with uh, Fitzmagic and company. So let's see if they rebound or not. Most of the country will get the Green Bay-Tampa Bay game with Aaron Rodgers and company. Um, and I know, again, we've, we focus on underdogs on Three Dog Thursday. You've got several interesting NFL plays that you're going to be unfolding. Let's segue right in on BrianEdwardsSports.com and on MajorWager.com. You've got some interesting NFL plays that you'll be getting to, and the fans need to be locked in there to keep track on what they are, yeah. even if they're not underdogs, yeah. right? Yeah, no doubt, and, and the Steelers could be one. Uh, and yeah, so please uh, check check them out. I'll have, I'll have pick. You know, like like to wait till Friday. A lot of times with NFL, just to get the latest injury updates. And uh, you know, it, you know, I said Kansas City is look. If if Cam plays two weeks ago, nobody can tell me any different. New England would have won that game, and then Kansas City just lost to Las Vegas. So. Um, KC's kind of struggling a little bit as they go to Orchard Park as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I guess if there was one dog I had to pick on the board, that might be it. But I'm not saying it's definitely going to be one of my mm. plays. But uh, And again, it, that it, will be a – that's a double-header situation. That will be at 5 Eastern yeah. time on Monday, Kansas City at Buffalo, followed by the Arizona-Dallas game coming later on. Um, very interesting for the Chiefs. You're right. They are still smarting. They were a 10-point favorite or whatever they were, a 9- or 10-point favorite against the Raiders. And and the Raiders uh, intercepted Mahomes, and Kansas City's defense got sautéed by Derek Carr and, uh, and John Gruden's uh, game plan there in that one. So let's see what happens there. Very interesting with the NFL. Again, Brian, tell them more, whether it's college, whether it's the NFL, they can get all of it at brianedwardsports.com. Tell them more about how they find all of your stuff. Yeah, and I've um, got my videos on the Major Wager YouTube channel, rewinding uh, this past week's NFL and college action. You can go to the Major Wager uh, YouTube channel or just go on to majorwager.com, and the video is right there front and center. 
uh, on the homepage. You can follow me on Twitter at Vegas uh, B Edwards. Also recorded um, your old friend K Raj and I did an SEC uh, recording that is on Vegas Insiders YouTube uh page and, and look for my picks on brianedwardsports.com enjoyed it as always tj good luck to you and your listeners with your wagers this weekend y'all have a great weekend and there he goes my thanks again one final time to brian edwards talking nfl football again as we end things up here we've put the entire show together brian and i did not know about the florida gator game being deleted off the schedule possibly to be rescheduled on december the 12th with lsu because of the gators outbreak of COVID 19 tests so that game will not be played uh, this weekend Alabama and Georgia. Again, at the time that we're posting Three Dog Thursday, we believe that game will be played. Who knows, though, if the Alabama players have an outbreak or the rest of the coaching staff or something. Don't know. We'll remain optimistic that that game comes off huge game Saturday night. Alabama, Georgia, number two against number three. We do know as it stands right now, no Nick Saban. Can't be around the team for the next 10 days after his Wednesday afternoon uh, COVID-19 positive test. Looks like Steve Sarkeesian is the coach. All things on track right now to play it. You may know differently as Thursday turns to Thursday afternoon, turns to Friday, turns to Saturday. That's the best we can do with putting the podcast out right now. Here is part of Three Dog Thursday. Good luck with all of the underdogs to our prognosticators for Brian Edwards, Uh, And also for our roundtable with Ryan Fowler, Marquise Johns, go find the YouTube video roundtable, Three Dog Thursday YouTube page. You can see the roundtable, see what I look like, see what Ryan looks like, uh, and Marquise Johns as we kicked it around on the roundtable. That'll do it, though, here for the show. Good luck with all of the underdogs for Brian and Ryan and Marquise. I am merely TJ, and whether you found us through sportsgamblingpodcast.com, through their network fleet of shows, and their uh, through their feed, uh, we thank you for finding us there. Subscribe. Subscribe to Three Dog Thursday, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Go and subscribe. The show comes automatically to you. We're done for now. Good luck with the underdog selections. And let's see what happens this weekend, our third weekend in October, as we get rolling here as part of Three Dog Thursday. Bye.